Bundy. Bundy. Buck Bundy. That's me. I'm Thomas, your guide. Where exactly am I? You're where animals go when they die. I'm in Oprah's refrigerator? <laughs> Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Gunter. 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 I mean, Bundy. Bundy. Uh, Chris here. Honestly, I'm kind of sensitive about this. This chicken just sat down on top of my bald head. Oh, yeah? Like, what did you do? Uh, I shot him in the face six times. (laughs) (laughs) And this is Carolyn. I just like to say, Buongiorno, America. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the Married with Children podcast. This week we are reviewing Requiem for a Dead Briard, Season 10, Episode 3. Original air date, October 1st, 1995. After the Bundy family dog, Buck, dies, he goes to animal heaven where his fate for eternity is to be dealt with by a feline judge. Al tries to cheer up the mourning Kelly by buying her another pet in the form of a parakeet until Peggy's mom eats it. Al then hires Father Guido Sarducci to conduct a seance to try to contact Buck in the afterlife. Written by Michael G. Moyet. Guest cast. Don Novello as Father Guido Sarducci. Kathleen Freeman as the voice of Peg's mom. Kevin Schoen as Felix D. Cat. Roger Rose as Tweety. Ben Stein as Thomas. Kim Weisskopf as the voice of Buck, Buck the Dog as Buck the Dog, and Lucky the Dog as Lucky the Dog. Tonight, one member of the Bundy family won't survive the night. This certainly sucks. Married with Children, a brand new episode. The title for this episode comes from Requiem for a Heavyweight, a teleplay written by Rod Sterling and produced for the live television show Playhouse 90, on October 11, 1956. Six years later, it was adapted as a 1962 feature film starring Anthony Quinn, Jackie Gleason, and Mickey Rooney. The teleplay won a Peabody Award, the first given to an individual script in television, and helped establish Sterling's reputation. The broadcast was directed by Ralph Nelson and is generally considered one of the finest examples of live television drama in the United States, as well as being Sterling's personal favorite of his own work. Nelson and Serling won Emmy Awards for their work. Shout out to Jackie Gleason there, man. Brilliant actor. Uh, uh, (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, anyone who's ever seen Smokey and the Bandit (laughs) knows he's a brilliant actor, man. (laughs) 
And, uh, you know, The Honeymooners is probably one of, probably my second favorite TV show of all time. <laughs> so, Carolyn, welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for joining us again. It's a real treat. And I know that our fan base in podcast land really loves uh, to hear your comments. So thank you so much. That's so nice to hear. Thanks. Before we get into the episode, you know, there's a couple of things we wanted to point out. So this is the second of three episodes in the Married with Children universe that began with the word Requiem. So the first one was Requiem for a Dead Barber. This is Requiem for a Dead Briard. And then there's a two-part episode, Requiem for a Chevy Weight, parts one and two. So a Requiem or Requiem Mass, it's, the word Requiem is a Latin word. It's a Mass for the Dead. And the term in Latin is Misa pro defuntis or Misa defoctorum, which means mass of the dead. You know, offered for the repose of the soul or souls of one or more deceased persons. It is usually but not necessarily celebrated in the context of a funeral. And musical settings of the propers of the Requiem Mass are also called Requiems. And the term has subsequently been applied to other musical compositions associated with death, dying, and mourning. Whether they lack even if they lack religious or liturgical relevance. So there's a very famous piece by Mozart, which is the Requiem in D minor, that he composed in Vienna in late 1791, but it was unfinished at his death on December 5th of the same year. And a completed version of this Requiem uh, was done by Franz Xavier Sussmeier and was delivered to Count Franz von Welsgeg, who commissioned the piece for a requiem service to commemorate the anniversary of his wife's death on February 14th of that year. That's that's interesting, that uh, requiem in D minor. I'd have to pull that up and listen to it, but I can almost guarantee I've probably either heard that or played it at some point because I was in band for four years in middle school and junior high, and, uh, you know, we played. <laughs> Obviously, we played a lot of music, uh, old, some old stuff, some new stuff, so be interesting to hear that i bet it's pretty good i've, I've it's, it's it's excellent it's excellent and um they're still writing them actually there were a few written for 9-11 after 9-11 especially my favorite is john adams on the transfiguration of souls so so they're still around and and i have i have some mozart requiem myself too in a chorus in high school and college yeah no it, it, it's a beautiful piece absolutely mm-hmm yeah the episode begins with a very mournful rendition of Amazing Grace. Now, let me ask you, since you know we were all uh, original uh, sort of first uh, first run fans, mm-hmm. uh, what, what, do you remember the first time you saw this episode? What your thoughts were? I, I do. I, I remember it like yesterday. It's funny you ask. So, you know, by this point in the series, uh, I guess in 1996 is when this would have aired. By this point in the series, I was uh, 12, 1990, so. 1995. 1995. Okay, so by this point in the series, I was 11. So. I was old enough to remember first run on everything. When we saw the preview of this, I don't know if we have the soundbite for it, but they advertised it as a member of the Bundy family dies. Well, we all thought it was going to be Al <laughs> because Al 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Al's, you know, Al, I mean, of course we didn't want it to be Al, but Al's the oldest member of the family. He's probably the poorest in health. I mean, let's be honest, you know. So, we, <laughs> so we, I mean, he has bad teeth. I mean, he has hemorrhoids. He has all types of problems, you know. So we uh, we thought it was going to be Al. And we spent all week, like, trying to figure out, are they going to kill off Al, you know, the star, the show? And I remember my dad saying, well, maybe it's going to be Jefferson, you know, even though Jefferson's not actually a member of the Bundy family. But my dad was like, well, Steve was in two episodes in season nine. Maybe Jefferson's going to die and Marcy's going to remarry Steve, you know. <laughs> but we spent the whole week, like, trying to figure out, like, who are they going to kill off, you know. we Sadly, I'm surprised none of us thought of Buck. I mean, it's kind of sad because Buck is, Buck is a member of the family, <laughs> you know. But none of us, none of us saw to him. And then the opening picture of Buck on the screen, me, my mom, and dad, all three simultaneously said, "Oh my God, it's Buck!" Like we knew right away. Like it, it like it hit us all at the same time, you know. So it's just like I, I just, I always remember that thinking they're gonna kill off Al. Like, like I, we were just like, we were stunned. And then we, you know, obviously in the open scene, opening scene, we learned it was Buck. It was kind of like. It's still sad we're losing Buck, but it was kind of a collective sigh of relief in a way. <laughs> so, but that's my story. How about how about you, Carolyn? Well, actually, ever since I saw Get the Dodge Out of Hell, and how um, Buck was just kind of standing around and they were making jokes about how old he was, I kind of figured it would be Buck. But then again, I was a bit older than eleven, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Oh, and guys, do you think this is the only time Fresh Flowers have ever made an appearance in the Bundy House? Yeah, I was going to make a comment about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah, yeah. So, from, so from the great Annabelle, there was an Entertainment Weekly article on September 8th, 1995. So just about a month before this episode air, where they noted that Buck the dog was retiring after 10 years as the sluggish pooch on Married with Children. Buck, 12 and a half, will retire from the series on October 1st. It's getting more difficult for him to distinguish hand signals from a distance, trainer Steve Ritt said of Buck, whose retirement plans include lying around a lot, going on hikes, getting acupuncture, and spending a lot of time with his girlfriend, Frida. A new Bundy pet will be ushered in during the same episode. Now, at Team Australia and myself, we reviewed 25 years and what do you get in last season, and we had noted how his eyesight was getting bad. I uh, also, yep. want, also want to point out that Steve Ritt is on Facebook on uh, the Married with Children unofficial page. Uh, so Annabelle has, is in contact with him. So maybe it'd be cool to hear from him. I, I, would, I, would, I would love that. The work he did with yeah, Buck over those 10 years was amazing. Yeah. yeah, that would be cool to hear, wouldn't it? I remember when I saw it, when I saw that come up on the screen, I thought that the dog had actually died already. And I think that, you know, until we see, you know, Buck in doggy heaven, <laughs> or, or if you can call it that, um, like I, I was, um, I was sad at first, you know, like I really felt sad. Uh, and I do remember Buck the dog dying, you know, in real life, which was on May 28th, 1996. And, mm -hmm. this, and this was literally the week that I was graduating high school. So, oh, so, oh no! So I rem I remember it very distinctly. I remember it on the news. Uh, it made you know pretty much national news that Buck the dog died. So that was about nine months uh, after this episode aired. That's sad. 
that's sad when you think about it. It's like, darn, he didn't even in, get to enjoy a year's worth of entire uh, retirement, you know? <laughs> I think, you know, the tribute that they have with Amazing Grace is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and we've heard Amazing Grace as well on Married with Children in the past. Yes, yes. And, but I didn't shoot the deputy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, I think probably uh, uh, to me, like one of the uh, under most underrated episodes of season one. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, and you know, actually, it was also it was also mourning a dog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I just realized that. Yes, yes. Well, it, it's a lovely song, and it's, and and what, what they love about it the most is that it's public domain. Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but but it, but I thought it was a great start to the episode. I think it set the mood. I think it set the mood really well. Everyone is grieving, and we have uh, Al and Peggy and Bud and Kelly and Jefferson and Marcy all in that living room. And uh, Al especially seems to be taking it hard. It was a lovely funeral, Peggy. I'm sure Buck would have been proud. I know. I just can't believe he's gone. You know, it seems like only yesterday he was... Chewing up the furniture and peeing on the floor. Uh, that, that was yesterday. <laughs> oh, your father seems to be taking it especially hard. Poor guy. 1,200 bucks for a funeral. <laughs> they buried King Tut for less. <laughs> and he got to take his wives with him. I cannot believe how cheap you are, Al. I mean, Buck was more than family. He was someone we loved. That may well be, Peg. But at $1,200 for a 70-pound dog, do you realize how expensive your mom's gonna be? <laughs> I'd say barrier at sea, but then we'd have one less sea. All right, Al, you can say what you want about mom. Okay, she's a great big pilot. But... <laughs> I want you to be careful what you say about Buck around Kelly. She was closer to him than any of us, and she's going to need some extra love and attention. <laughs> it's because it's twelve hundred bucks for a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I, I wonder if a uh, if a real person's funeral would have cost that much in the Bundy world. <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out like. Uh, do people maybe this is a dumb question on my part but i'll ask anyways do people actually do full-blown funerals for dogs like i never i mean we always i remember as a kid you know like i don't know if this is a southern thing or if people do this all over the country but whenever our pets passed away we would always you know wrap them in a blanket and bury bury them in our backyard um I don't uh, know yeah, up, here, up here in new york too yes yes okay, my um yeah. uh, our dog bella you know, when she was put to sleep, we got the ashes back and we buried them in the backyard under a nice, under one of our favorite trees. Yeah. Yeah. You know, of but, course, but we don't, didn't, don't, we, yeah, we didn't have an actual funeral, but oh, no. <laughs> like 1200 no, no, bucks it's, for. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not an all decent thing either. You know, but however, there are, however, we do have we do have pet cemeteries. That's not particularly scary one. That's Stephen King pet cemeteries. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do have pet cemeteries. So some people do that. But an actual funeral ceremony. No. It is. Yeah. It is nice. You can buy a card saying "Sorry about your pet," you know. And I've, yeah. I've done that. I've done that a few times. It's, you know, someone had a cat for like seventeen years or something. Like some of my friends, then you know, then I send that. Yeah. But 
No, I, I think I think this is exagger. I think this is a little TV exaggeration going. Right. Well, what I'm thinking is like if it's a you know like a real life famous animal like uh, like I'm trying to think like let's say like when Secretariat died you know Secretariat the horse I can imagine they might have actually had a funeral for Secretariat <laughs> you know what I mean but like a but like a regular you know family that just owns a cat or a dog <laughs> I can't imagine you know spending spending a large amount of money at the end of the day it's like how much money do you have to spend right yeah <laughs> yeah yeah totally totally right mm-hmm. i mean if you got 50 bucks it's a 50 dollar funeral if it's a twelve hundred dollars it's a twelve hundred dollar funeral right <laughs> that yep. seems to be the way the bundys do everything though i mean like that's they, right that's right if they you know if if the bank if the bank uh, deposits money in their account by mistake, they go crazy. Or you know, if if uh, if Bud's check gets deposited in their account by mistake, they go crazy. If the bank gives Buck a credit card, they go crazy and spend everything. I mean, that's just that's just how the Bundys do. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, if I wasn't so lazy, I would have gone through this episode again and added up how much money came out of Al's pocket because it was a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was at least close to three thousand dollars, I think, when you yes, when you tally yes. it up, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the way, where does Al? How the hell does Al have three thousand dollars to spend on a funeral? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've done the math on his income before. He's slightly above minimum wage. I mean, I guess he's gotten a couple of raises at this point, so he's at least a little above minimum wage. But where the heck does he have three thousand dollars to spend on a funeral for a dog? You know. <laughs> We have no idea. So we find out that the person who's the most upset of all is Kelly. Sorry I'm late, but I stopped over at Hallmark to see if I could get a really nice thanks for leaving me at the pet cemetery card. <laughs> Naturally, they were all sold out, so I'm going to make up my own. What rhymes with may you all heave and gag on your own chunks? <laughs> well, let's see. There's uh, punks, drunks. Now, let me tell you, when Kelly makes her entrance, it's like I'm I'm sort of I remember like I was mourning Buck, but then I'm like sort of like my tongue rolled out of my mouth when I saw her in that black dress. You know, actually, guys, I was going to talk about that. Um, It's the only time. Yes, that black black dress was nice. I mean, it was fairly modest for Kelly, but it was nice dress and looked great on her as as everything does. But did you notice that no one in the audience catcalled her? There was no woo or anything. Maybe it was the occasion, or maybe the producer, maybe the director just said, "Okay, maybe they cut it out," or the or they just said, "You know, no, we we just showed like the, the dog died. We don't do that." Yeah. <laughs> but what 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 do, what, do you th- what do you what do you think? Uh, I I think she just was stunning. I mean, like yeah, I, oh, I, I yeah, mean, oh, she yeah. was like I mean, I'll tell you, like I mean, you know, we've seen Kelly through the years, but I mean, you know, like looking at this. You know, when I, I was rewatching the episode for this podcast, I was like, whoa, like, like, I mean, wow. Like, I mean, she was breathtaking. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I do want to point out recently, Christina Applegate came out and said that she has multiple sclerosis. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, we are, I mean, I guess, I don't know if she ever will listen to our podcast, but we do want <laughs> to send out our love and support. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's heartbreaking news. You know, we're all... Um, you know, love and adore Christina Applegate. She's an amazing performer, you know, on multiple shows and movies. She's an incredible human being, you know, by every respect. So we we wish her well. Hope, hopefully she's uh, back to 100% or as close to 100% as possible very, very soon. 
Yes, I'm, I've been lucky enough to see her. Of course, I've, I watch her shows on television whenever I can. I've also seen her on stage. And um, I'm sorry she's had to deal with so many health issues in her life because she comes across as so vibrant and so in control of her body. And she's a wonderful dancer. And I hope she keeps dancing. Hope she keeps dancing for another 50 years. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, we definitely wish her well. Yes. So there's one topic I wanted to talk about. Now, if we're going to continuity. In season one and two, it was very clear that Buck was Bud's dog. Yes. Yeah, I, was, I had that, yes. But Buck, Buck can do it, yeah. That's right. So, you know, we've now gotten to season 10. That's as if the ownership has changed. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say, I was a little disappointed with uh, Bud in this episode. You see, he was, he was like a little callous. You know, yeah. usually, usually he has, he's the one that has like some hidden feelings, like some halfway recognizable human feelings. Yeah. <laughs> and even if he hides it and um, he was paired up with Jefferson in this episode. And of course, Jefferson is always, you know, he's not, I mean, he's not, he's not evil. He's just kind of careless. Yeah. So yeah. And they were paired up and making, you know, cracking a lot of jokes at um, Buck's expense and stuff, which, you know, some of which were very funny, but I was a little, I was a little, um, I was a little upset with Bud. Yeah. Now, I mean, if you remember, Bud was the one who okayed for Buck to get neutered. So maybe <laughs> Buck's allegiance, uh, you know, shifted over to Kelly. You know, oh, I, good, I, I, good, good idea. That, yeah, that, that, would, that would make sense. Yeah. You know, Chris, I was going to say, like, if Alex were doing this podcast, I, I'm sort of thinking in his head, like he probably that's probably how he would have put two and two together. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what I was thinking? You know, we were talking about the ownership of Buck. It, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't at a certain point it was almost as if Buck was Al's dog because, you know, he had the episode. Well, the computer episode where he was trying to teach, um, if, if if my memory serves me correct, Al wasn't Al trying to teach Buck how to fetch his slippers in that episode, or am I am I am I if I'm not combining two there? But I think uh, at the end, uh, you know, Al smashes the computer and. He goes over there with the hammer and says, "Okay, now who's now get my slippers?" And Buck does it, you know. And then there's the episode where uh, Buck the Stud—I forget what the title of it is—but you know, Al puts uh, Buck down in the basement with his Playboys and he shreds them and everything, <laughs> you know, because he wants that. Uh, I think it was a check for ten thousand dollars, but he ends up getting a bill for a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, but I mean, at, at that point, I think it was fair to say that Buck was Al's dog, wouldn't you say? I mean. <laughs> At least it seemed like it to me. Yeah, no, I mean, you're definitely right. I mean, there is shifting ownership. So it's sort of like, you know, they, they, I guess, I guess Kelly, the character of Kelly would have been more believable for having the grief. Like, you yeah. know, Bud, Bud, the, Bud as a character is not going to be grieving. Al is not right. going to be grieving either, except for, you know, I guess however much he's out. The 1200 bucks, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Peg doesn't care. So I think it naturally fell on, on the character of Kelly to be the, the person to mourn the dog. Okay, and of course, Christina did a great job, I thought. Absolutely. I thought, really, I thought she was really convincing in Kelly's grief, and of course she was, you know, so, she was like sobbing like she was in an opera, but that was part of the point, because when, <laughs> when, when Kelly feels something, she feels it so deeply yeah. that yeah. she has no control, and I think that really came across. You know, what I was going to say is that the, as far as the ownership shifting of the dog, if you sort of think about it, that kind of happens in a family. You know, you uh, let's say you're, let's say you're, your teenager gets a dog when it's a puppy. It might the teenager might take care of the dog, and then the teen goes off to college. Well, 
the the, the college student's probably not going to bring a dog with him, so the parents have to take care of him, or maybe a younger brother or sister takes care of him until that kid goes off to college, and that by that point the parents are taking care of him. You know, that's <laughs> so that's true. Yeah, the, the ownership does kind of shift <laughs> like that if you think about it. So how'd you get home, Kel? Oh, I got a ride from Igor, the guy who drives the doggy hearse. <laughs> you know, the one that dad was too cheap to spend the extra 40 bucks on. There's nothing wrong with the trunk of the Dodge. <laughs> Buck always liked going for a nice ride in the car, and he looks so peaceful, his head propped up on the spare tire. <laughs> Now, Kelly talks about riding in the doggy hearse with a guy named Igor. Now, I'm going to do a callback to season three, episode nine, the first episode that had the title Requiem, which is Requiem for a Dead Barber, where Kelly talks about cruising around the cemetery with Boris. Well, now that Tony's worm food, I can get out of these funeral clothes. <laughs> oh, Dad, you know how I've been um, bothering you about a sports car? Well, forget it. I want a hearse. I was just cruising around the cemetery with Boris, the driver. Oh, God, was it cool. And Friday night, he's taking me out and promised to have a real dead body in it. But Mom said it's wrong to use a guy for his hearse, so can I have one of my own, please? Well, Al, she has been doing better in school. Why am I thinking they buried the wrong guy? <laughs> That's funny. That's kind of advice my mother never had to give me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and one, one last thing, guys, before we, before we leave this beginning here. When Bud gets home, he goes to the refrigerator, he gets out a sandwich and a soda, and he's eating it through half the scene. Where, where, the, hell did he get, where the hell did he get those? <laughs> I noticed that. I was like, wait a second. Where the hell? Where, well, how does the Bundy fridge have food in it? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> <laughs> Unless the food came, I guess, as part of the cemetery. Like sometimes I've heard like in some people, like they'll have like a, I guess, like some kind of like a wake where there'll be food. Yeah, oh, that right? makes sense. You yeah. Mm-hmm. Not sort of in my tradition. I mean, there's food in other places, but not like it's part of the wake. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So Kelly says that she thinks she's feeling better and then she breaks down. So how are you feeling, Kelly? Oh. I'm better, I guess. I think I'm over Buck's death now, and I'm ready to get on with my life. Atta girl, pumpkin. I admire your courage. Now, help me clean up the yard, and we'll burn Buck's old toys. <laughs> to think. I could have had any man on the football team. Peg, you, you had them all. <laughs> Pumpkin, now you know that I love Buck more than I love anyone in this room. Way, way more than some. But sweetheart, let's not dwell on sad things. Daddy, what do you think Buck's doing right now? Well, yeah, I don't know, sweetheart. He, he should still be dead, shouldn't he? Oh, oh Buck. Buck, wherefore art thou, Buckyo? Where? Now, now, Al and Peg have a great, uh, some great banter. It's like, and to think I could have had any man on the football team. Peg, you've had them all. That's right. That's right. Yeah. They retired yeah. her number, remember? They retired her number. We learned that in an earlier episode. Yeah, that was the Sam Kennison episode. Oh, yeah, sure was. 
That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and Al, Al is trying to be, he's trying to be um, a, a halfway decent dad. You know, he's calling Kelly pumpkin and he's holding all he's crying. But of course, of course, you can't resist the chance to uh, slip in a promiscuity joke <laughs> right, in the, right. right in the middle of it, right in the middle of it all because he's out. All right. Mm-hmm. So now, like, you know, Kelly's wondering, like, what Bud, Buck might be doing right now. And Al's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, he should still be dead. <laughs> Again, very heartless of Al. Um, no, no tact. And Kelly does this line where she's actually quoting Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. So, oh, Buck, Buck, wherefore art thou, Bucky, oh. <laughs> yep. So now we cut to Buck up in heaven. Well, I'll be damned. I really can see my house from here. I mean, I, br- I remember seeing this the first time and I breathed a sigh of relief. It's like, oh, Buck the dog is still alive. Yes. <laughs> right. And, you know, I will say at this point, I was trying to think to myself, it's like, well, you know, how is Buck going to be alive again? Right. Yeah. It's like I, I thought to myself, I was like, oh, you know, Buck, he'll be back next week. And maybe this is some some kind of maybe dream sequence or not. As soon as I hear this particular voice, I think like I started cheering because just <laughs> as soon as you hear it, you know exactly what it is. Bundy, Bundy, Buck Bundy. That's me. I'm Thomas, your guide. Where exactly am I? You're where animals go when they die. I'm in Oprah's refrigerator? No, Buck, you're in the animal afterlife. Well, then, what are you doing here? Computer error. (laughs) I was the mascot for a baseball team, the Cleveland Chickens. I had this really great bit where I'd find some guy bald as an egg and sit on his head. A scream, I tell you, until one day I met a bald guy who was a tad sensitive about it. Oh, what'd he do? shot me in the face six times. Yep, he has yep. one of the most recognizable voices around, that's for sure. Yeah, and was, was this on a period where the show Win Ben Stein's Money was on TV? Uh, I don't think so, no. I feel like I feel like this was a little before Win yeah. Ben Stein's Money, I feel like. This would have been around the time that those Clear Eyes commercials were on. Remember those? Observe, dry eyes. Red eyes, symptoms for which science created clear eyes. Unlike the other leading eye drop, clear eyes removes redness and as an ingredient to moisturize. The difference is clear. Clear eyes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes that's like, right. <laughs> clear eyes is awesome. Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> so Ben Stein is an American writer, lawyer, actor, comedian, and commentator on political and economic issues. He began his career as a speechwriter for U.S. Presidents Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford before entering the entertainment field as an actor, comedian, and game show host. He is best known on screen as the economics teacher in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, as the host of Win Ben Stein's Money, and as Dr. Arthur Newman in The Mask and Son of the Mask. 
Stein co-wrote and starred in the 2008 documentary Expelled, which portrays intelligent design creation, creationism as a scientifically valid alternative to Darwinism, Darwinian, Darwin evolution, <laughs> and alleges a scientific conspiracy against those promoting intelligent design in laboratories and classrooms. Stein is the son of economist and writer Herbert Stein, who worked at the White House under President Nixon. As a character actor, he is well known for his droning, monotonous delivery. In comedy, he is known for his deadpan delivery. And Rabbit of Children put him in a chicken suit. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty Perfect. funny. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, I, I mean, like, what do you think his best portrayal is, Carolyn? Would you say from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, I think, is most famous? I think so, yes. Yes. And it, it was just, it was so iconic. And he managed to convey exactly what Ferris was avoiding by skipping school, how he wasn't missing anything. He made the whole school look like a, look like a really pointless waste of time. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, you know, Buck asks, uh, you know, where he is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Ben says that you're where animals go to die. So he says, I'm in Oprah's refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> Oprah joke and a fat joke. That's, that, that's, that's, that's good writing. <laughs> two for one yep yeah and you know and, and i think one of the great things too is you know he says well then what you, what are you doing here and he says computer error <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know and if you think about it now this is 1995 you know we've really entered the age of you know computerization you know the early days you know compared to today but you know in 1987 when the series started you know something like computer error like wouldn't have been like uh, as maybe in vogue in terms of like a joke that people would get or be joking about. So, I mean, it's really like a sign of the times. Yeah, it, it is. You know, it's funny you were talking about that because I, I actually, I, I was watching an old episode of, um, I guess I'm dating myself a little bit, but Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the other day, which was one of my favorite shows as a kid. And there was a scene where uh, this, this in this particular episode, they, they fight a, uh, a computer monster and uh, in the opening scene, one of the one of the uh, Power Rangers is on the computer, and he's surfing the internet. And the way he explains it to the audience, like it's clear that the internet era is like like it's just crazy. Like he explains 60 seconds about how the internet works. It's like, yeah, you just type in right here. You type the website that you want to go to and then you can pull up information and you can, you can surf the net and you can do this and that and this and that. You know, it's now like if you, if they showed that in a television show in 2021, you would just see someone looking at a computer screen and you'd assume that they're surfing the net. Like they wouldn't take 60 seconds out of the actual show to explain that, you know, <laughs> It's amazing, like, when you think about how much things have changed in the last 25, 26, 27 years. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, yeah. And, and I, and I got to love how, like, you know, they also have to throw in a bald joke. So, you know, again, for Dan Chase and the rest of the bad chapter of No Man, of which, you know, uh, Chris and myself and Matt Thompson and uh, Stephen Scott are members of, <laughs> it's yeah. a personal <laughs> offense on that one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? Gabriel's beeper. That means it's time for the judge to determine your fate. If you've been good, you'll be reincarnated as the animal of your choice. Well, in that case, I'd like to come back as an eagle, soaring proud and free. How patriotic. <laughs> but if you do come back as an eagle, do yourself a favor. What's that? Don't land on any bald guys with guns. 
Here's another joke that's, again, a little bit of a time capsule. Uh, so Ben Stein talks about having Gabriel's beeper. Right, yes. <laughs> and, and, these, and this I'm going to say is this, these are like the last days of the beeper. Like, like 1995 to 1997 is like sort of when they started disappearing and were replaced by cell phones. Yeah, I, I sort of like, um, I guess, you know, that was kind of a transitional period for me from junior high to high school. I remember being in junior high in 97, 98, 99, that time period. And I remember thinking, man, I can't wait till I get to high school so I can have a pager. And by the time I got to high school, uh, you know, right before the turn of the millennium, pagers were out and cell phones were in. Like everybody started getting phones, you know, it's like it happened overnight. <laughs> it's weird growing up in that era, you know? Yeah. So Carolyn, do you have any beeper stories? Uh, no, no, sorry, never had one. No, nope, nope. I, 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 I just, this wasn't that important. I don't think. <laughs> okay. uh, I didn't have a beeper either. Uh, I remember though when I was in the fifth grade, which was uh, well before this, you know, and I'm going to say it was around 1988. One of my friends had two beepers and a cell phone. So I imagine like a cell phone from 1988, and he was probably <laughs> maybe five feet tall. Uh, his name was Augie, right? Oh, <laughs> and, wow. And, uh, so this, uh, you know, little Catholic grammar school in Queens, like he shows up with like these two beepers in a cell phone, like on his belt. And like as he's walking, he's like hiking up his pants like because the weight of these things were like pretty much like <laughs> making his yeah. pants drop to the ground. <laughs> you know, the... Um, uh, the the uh, I think it was either the principal or the assistant principal who was a nun. Like she calls out to him, is like, is like, hey Augie, like, what are you, a drug dealer? And he responds, like, no, sister, I'm a businessman. Well, I was I was thinking, I mean, was this cell phone? Was it like a brick or something, like the size of a brick? Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> I've seen those old phones from the '80s. They're like literally the size of a brick. Uh, I, I mean, oh, I, th yeah. I I think the three of those items combined weighed as much as he did. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh boy. And probably, I mean, I'm trying to figure out what in in night. You said 1988. I mean, a cell phone and two beepers. That probably would have been like. I mean, I'm assuming he, he was like a rich kid, right? Because I mean, a cell phone and two beepers would have been expensive as hell in 1988, wouldn't it? Well, he was a businessman. As, as that I mean, that technology then would have been expensive. You know. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. He used to work at a pizzeria. <laughs> Uh, you know, unfortunately, he died. Uh, he died in a car accident in 1999. Oh, um, man. Sorry to hear so, that. So, um, yeah, but, you know, one, one of my uh, remembrances is my friend Augie. Augustino <laughs> is his real name, right? Yep. So Ben Stein, or uh, uh, what's the name? Thomas, right, is the Thomas. name of the character. Thomas says that, uh, I, I know, I know, the you know, we have to say the character, but it's like, you got to say it's Ben Stein. I mean, everybody should right. know it's Ben Stein. So, yeah. you know, so he says that, you know, if Buck has been good, you know, he'll be able to be reincarnated as the animal of his choice. And Buck decides to go patriotic and wishes that he were an eagle. <laughs> <laughs> What animal would you guys, if you guys, you know, if you guys could be reincarnated as an animal, what animal would you guys choose? You know, I've actually thought about this before. I can't decide if I want to be a dog, like a domestic dog, or a dolphin. <laughs> you know, because that's cause, two good ones. Two good yeah. ones. Yeah. Well, I mean, the dolphin has freedom to like explore the oceans and stuff. It can go wherever right. it wants. 
Right. You know, but a dog, a dog gets a dog just gets like uh, so much love and attention and everything. Just incred- as long as they yeah. do, as long as they avoid certain behaviors, like barking yeah. at all the deer. Yeah. <laughs> the the only problem with being a dog would be it's just luck of the draw. Who what owner you get? I mean, if you get a great owner, then you're gonna you're gonna have a great life. If you get a lousy owner, they might put you outside on a chain. You know what I mean? Like, so it could just it just depends on which owner you get, I guess. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I probably, I probably would have to run away a few times to find the right owner. But right. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? Uh, you know, I, I think I might go with Buck's uh, answer. The bald eagle, I mean, you get to fly. And you're also, if, if I'm not mistaken, I think bald eagles are a protected um, class, right? Like, you're not allowed to do anything to them because they're, at one point, I think they were an endangered species. But I think they've recovered. But they're also, since they're our national bird... I don't think you're allowed to like hunt them or hurt them or do anything to them, right? Chris, you already got the bald part down, so it's just yeah. a matter of the eagle. Right? <laughs> I'm already halfway there. If I start, le- if I learn how to fly, people might think I'm an eagle. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I, I was in a, a a zoo in Providence, Rhode Island, this summer, and uh, there were like I think three bald eagles like on a perch. That was great. Like I took a picture of it. I think I posted it on our page, and I was like, well, it's a a bad chapter meeting, you know, in Providence. <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess for myself, when it comes to like, I, I never really thought about it, Chris, but I think I would want to be something that nobody wants to eat. I mean, that's the kind of animal I think I'd want to be. Right. You know, I, I'll tell you, Italians, you know, if you just put a little bit of tomato sauce, garlic and cheese on it, you know, we'll eat anything. <laughs> You know, I, I would say, well, I, I, you know, my, my instinct before thinking about a bald eagle was to say an alligator or a crocodile because they're so tough. Ooh. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. not many animals will mess with a gator or a croc. Uh, the only problem is humans do eat uh, gator and croc, so you have to that to deal with. But as far as in the wild, there's not many animals that will mess with a croc or a gator. <laughs> now, I, I've eaten alligator in Brooklyn, actually. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Cajun place, I remember, probably maybe 15, 20 years ago. It was okay. delicious. It tasted like chicken. <laughs> I knew Everything, you were going to say that. Yeah, we had a the, in, in Boston's Back Bay, there used to be a place called the Rattlesnake Bar that we used to go to after classes sometimes. And uh, most of the time we just ate like, you know, chicken and burgers and stuff like that. But they had a few exotic things. You know, they had ostrich once, they had buffalo before that was like widely popular, things like that. As far as I know, they did not have rattlesnake, but no, they they, they knew where they could get some. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, you know who would eat anything? Peg's mom. Yeah. As you find out, <laughs> as, as, as we as we soon find out, she would have no she would have no qualms. So pumpkin, just know that Buck is in a happier place now. Has to be. He's not here. <laughs> as long as you carry him in your heart, a part of him will always be with you. That was beautiful, Daddy. I feel a lot better now. Thanks. No problem, sweetheart. Okay. Bud, help me chop up the doghouse for firewood. <laughs> no! Daddy, we are not going to get rid of anything that was Bucks. He will always be a part of this family. Always! <laughs> Al, I think you're going to have to get a replacement. Are you serious? Where am I going to get another daughter? <laughs> I think she meant a replacement for Buck. What we find out is that Al is, uh, wants to be really keen on getting rid of everything as quickly as possible, which upsets Kelly. 
you know, and then there's like this joke. It's like, you know, uh, uh, it's like, I, you know, he's like, well, I think you need to get, you're going to have to get a replacement. It's like, where am I going to get another daughter? You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, guys, I think it's a variation on the, on the old joke. You know, my wife, went away, my wife went away with my dog and boy, do I miss him. <laughs> <laughs> I always find it funny how all of the Bundys have moments of like, just pure stupidity and then they have moments of high intelligence almost you know what i mean like peg had the episode where she was selling the uh what was it the beauty products or whatever and she was she was buying all of her own stuff she was leading the contest because she was buying all of her own stuff and al was the only one smart enough to tell her you know and then you know al has his episodes where he's extremely dumb well kelly's dumb pretty much every episode but they all have these moments where they're just Extremely dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, because I mean, Al. I mean, it looks like Al is trying to console Kelly, but th- then he like goes and then he goes and says like the worst possible thing you can say to someone who's grieving. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's like, I'm like, I'm gonna go burn all of Buck's toys, you know, in the backyard, or let's go, let's go bury, let's go bury his stuff in the backyard, or let's let's use his stuff as firewood, like you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that must oh, that means I guess that means there must be a fireplace in that wall we can't see behind the TV. Yeah, that, I was, I was going to say that. Yeah, Carolyn, I was going to say that. Like, where, where do the Bundys have a fireplace? Unless, <laughs> right. unless maybe like they have like some kind of trash bin fire outside, right? Uh, oh, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're, I'm, they're just the kind that would illegally burn trash. Yep, definitely. <laughs> yep. I can't afford a pet since Peg's mom, aka Free Willy, beats herself upstairs. <laughs> I can roll over if I want to. <laughs> we hear Peg's mom upstairs. <laughs> In the season opener, the podcast went through, you know, Kathleen Freeman, uh, you know, because uh, she's uh, the new character who appears for season 10. And she is the seven of season 10. <laughs> yeah, only better i think only much better <laughs> significantly better <laughs> and you know and i'm going to point out heard but not seen and and you know something carolyn i'm actually going to quote you on this one okay um, you know you you said in a prior episode i think you know levin and moyer like there's there's certain things that you know your imagination will do a better job than anything that they can actually show us on screen yep so you know, kudos to them because uh, <laughs> we, we can only imagine what she looks like. And, you know, I think I've pointed out in the past, there's a Married with Children uh, comic book series from the 90s. And there are at least two depictions of Peg's mom in them. So, yes. you know, so she, so she looks like a very fat version of Peg. Yeah, she looks like <laughs> a giant Peg. Exactly. Now, I, do, I do have to say, I know what Kathleen Freeman looks like because I had the pleasure of seeing her on stage. In her Tony-nominated turn in the Full Monty, in two thousand, I I, lo- I love her uh, performance in the Blues Brothers. She plays yes. the Penguin. Yes, yes. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I love her voice in it. I think they did a great job casting her as the voice of Peg's mom. I mean, she just she sounds you know old and grouchy, and you know what I mean. Just like I think they did a great job casting her. But but still still she has like a strange to her though you don't want yep. to mess with her yeah exactly you know? yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah I mean like I'll tell you like in the Blues Brothers she plays that Catholic nun you know to to a <laughs> T <tea. laughs> yes 
Yeah, and, and uh, on the film Monty, she was, you know, she was uh, much, much warmer and nicer and everything, but still very tough. Absolutely delightful. So Al refers to his mother-in-law as Free Willy. <laughs> so Free Willy is a 1993 American family drama film directed by Simon Windsor and produced by Lauren Schuler Donner and Jenny Lou Tagund, written by Keith A. Walker and Corey Blackman from a story by Walker and distributed by Warner Brothers under their family entertainment imprint. Yeah. So it was shot between May and August of 1992 and released in July 16th of 1993 and received positive attention from critics and was a commercial success, grossing $153.6 million from a $20 million budget. It grew into a small franchise, including a television series, two sequels, and a direct-to-video reboot. Yeah, I enjoyed that movie. It had I remember it had uh, Michael Jackson singing at the end. Whenever Willie, uh, if you've seen it, of course, Willie jumps over the rocks and goes off to freedom. And uh, I believe it was Michael Jackson singing there at the end. <laughs> Wow, well, I, I, didn't, I, didn't know to, I didn't know how to stop it. I was into Wales, so I did like the movie, too. Yeah, good ending. Mm-hmm. So Jefferson pipes in. Hey, I've got a great idea. I have a friend who owns a pet store. Well, actually, he's a crooked customs agent who smuggles in endangered species and some really great imported porn. <laughs> I mean, corn. <laughs> Wait a second, how much is this porn, I mean... <laughs> what's this pet gonna cost? Gee, I don't know, Al. What's the spending limit on Kelly's peace of mind? Eleven bucks. <laughs> no, you don't, Al Bundy. You're not gonna scrooge your way out of this one. Kelly is your only daughter. This is my only $11 pet. <laughs> All right, I promise to get her a pet that she'll love. So Jefferson says he's got a crooked customs agent who smuggles in endangered species and some great imported porn. <laughs> that's, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Sleazy Jefferson is my favorite yeah. Jefferson. <laughs> that seems to pique Al's interest. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, did you notice how Al and Bud both looked up? Did you notice how Bud was looking? <laughs> the, look on Bud, the look on Bud's face when Jefferson said that? <laughs> <laughs> so the spending limit on Kelly's peace of mind is 11 bucks. So, you know, so he spent $1,200, he has 11 bucks, and later on it's like uh, the bird costs 1000 Where the hell does this come from? I, right. I, I assume Al has no credit. Yeah, right? <laughs> that's a that's a safe statement. <laughs> Remember Al's famous line? He said, Any, "If a bank is dumb enough to give me credit, <laughs> let's uh, let's charge it up and let the honest people pay for it." <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, we have a former teller uh, with us. So, yeah. <laughs> well, guys, like they say, it's it's simple bundynomics. We just can't wrap our heads around it. Right. <laughs> So Peggy says that Al isn't going to scrooge her way out of this, so it makes a reference to A Christmas Carol. <laughs> so, Kelly, tell me which one of these cool pets is going to be the new buck. Oh, forget it, Daddy. I can't take a goldfish on a walk. I, I can't scratch a moth behind its ears. And I can't teach an ant farm to pee in Bud's shoes. 
so we're now shown three options for pets. A goldfish, a moth, and an ant farm. And Kelly is not impressed. So the Darcy's bring in a bird. Kelly, have we got the pet for you. What is it this time? A bird. Takes one to buy one. <laughs> But this isn't just any bird, Kel. This is a genuine Venezuelan emerald-crested cockatoo. He does great celebrity impressions. And he knows over 150 different words. <laughs> That's got your father beat right there. <laughs> yeah, but he's not Buck. Can he roll over and play dead? Buck couldn't do that. Till now. <laughs> Kelly, I know he's not Buck, but you really should give him a chance. Yeah, look, we got him on approval, so if you don't want him after a week, he goes back. Look. Ah, Kelly pretty. Kelly pretty. Ah. Well, he is awfully cute and smart. <laughs> he's a cute little guy. How much? Thousand dollars. <laughs> I'll give him a try. I just hope it's okay with Buck. <laughs> and Al has a great line there. It takes one to buy one. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's a genuine Venezuelan emerald-crested cockatoo. And it does great celebrity impressions and knows over 150 words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, so do you, do you guys know anything about, like, you know, these types of uh, birds? Well, I, I know enough to know that that was actually a self-accrested cockatoo. <laughs> so, yeah, self-accrested cockatoos, they're, um, I, I don't know about their vocalization. I know they can vocalize a bit. They're not, they're not like parrots, but I think what you see them on the web nowadays mostly is dancing. They're very, they're very, good, at, um, they're very good at catching rhythms and dancing along with people. Interesting. You know, I, yeah. was, I was looking up, uh, I'm looking them up on Wikipedia, and it seems that they are indigenous to the Australasia area. So maybe mm -hmm. our uh, friends at Team Australia can uh, pipe in in the comments on this one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, well, they're not from Venezuela, but it would not surprise me if, if they bought a bird thinking it was, you know, um, emerald crested cockatoo and it's clearly yellow crested. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Al faints when he finds out that it's a thousand dollars. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right, so we have a thousand dollars, eleven bucks, twelve hundred bucks for a funeral. So what are we at? Uh, Twenty-two eleven. Twenty-two eleven. Yeah. So far. Twenty-two right. eleven. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. oh, well, let's keep going. So now we cut back to heaven, and Buck is excited that he thinks he's going to be an eagle, but there is trouble in heaven. I'm going to be an eagle. I'm going to be an eagle. If the judge decides that you've been good. Oh, he will. Everybody loves me. All rise for the Honorable Judge Felix D. Cat. <laughs> well, I just hope I get a defense lawyer who can stand up to a cat. Buck Bundy. Ira Moskowitz, I'm your court-appointed attorney. Houston, we have a problem. 
Felix the Cat is a funny animal cartoon character created in the silent film era. The anthropomorphic black cat with its black body, white eyes, and giant grin, coupled with the surrealism of the situations in which his cartoons placed him, combined to make Felix one of the most recognized cartoon characters in film history. Felix was the first character from animation to attain a level of popularity sufficient to draw movie audiences. My dad actually has some um, old black and white movies, old black and white silent cartoons of Felix. So he was, he was also, he was um, in the Betty Boop era. And he was, it was generally like the, generally like the, uh, the clever, you know, the clever peasant stereotype, the one who everyone ignores. And then he goes, goes out and does great things and gets his way all the time. We find out that uh, Buck is being <laughs> represented and defended by his court-appointed attorney, Ira Mouskowitz. <laughs> so, right. so we have a Jewish mouse lawyer, I guess a bunch That's of... That's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> bunch of stereotypes although, although, there. Although, yep, yep. Although I think he was, in real life, I think he was a rat. But <laughs> not, 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 not that it mattered much, but yeah. I, I thought it was a squirrel. I mean, I, I, oh. I, I mean, uh, the thing is that when I looked at him, it's like it's almost like, but he's, I guess, some kind of, I don't know if it's a like groundhog or something, but he looked to me more like a squirrel. But I mean, if he's calling hmm. himself Mousekowitz, I'm going to assume he's a mouse or a rat, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw a rat, but the audience can decide. Take a look at the episode and decide what kind of creature he was. Definitely a rodent. So one line that Buck says here that's pretty funny is, Houston, we have a problem. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the most, one of the biggest, like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like overused phrases ever here in, in Texas. Like, I mean, it gets used for everything. Like, the Rockets have a bad game. Houston, we have a problem. The Astros have a bad game. Houston, we have a problem. Our power grid collapses. Houston, we have a problem. I mean, it's like it's used for everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've heard that line so many times. <laughs> Just this week. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, it's a great line, but I think, I think like, um, like elementary, my dear Watson, I think it's a slight misquote. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right, Carolyn. Absolutely right. Mm-hmm. It's it's not it's not the original quote. Mm-hmm. The most famous thing that's nobody ever said, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that comes from the Apollo 13 movie from 1995, directed by Ron Howard and starring Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, Bill Paxton, Gary Sinise, and Ed Harris. The screenplay by William Broyes Jr. and Al Reinhardt Reinert dramatizes the aborted 1970 Apollo 13 lunar mission and is an adaptation of the book Lost Moon, The Perilous Voyage of Apollo 13 by astronaut Jim Lovell and Jeffrey Kluger. I mean, and that was really big in 1995. I mean, that summer, I mean, that was probably you know the biggest. I mean, I think with Forrest Gump a few years earlier and Apollo 13, that pretty much cemented Tom Hanks as probably the, the greatest American uh, actor since probably Jimmy Stewart, I would say. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It, it was, it was, it was huge. And it was a time and it kind of, it kind of fit in with the, um, you know, people were feeling a little down in America sometimes. So it was like one of those things like America felt like really uplifted just by watching it. Yeah. That's a great cast too. Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, Ed Harris. It's a really good cast written by Ron Howard or directed by Ron Howard. Excuse me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've had many members of his family on married with children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his mother uh, plays the the elderly lady in uh, a handful of episodes. Yep, and his brother was oh, also wow. his brother was also in the uh, and Bingo was her gameo. 
Yeah. Wow. I hope Tweety likes the new gifts we got him. Yeah, it'll be just like Christmas. Yeah, except Dad's sober and somebody's getting presents. Well, I guess it's true what they say. Nothing brings a family together like a new pet. <laughs> it's funny, like, they walk in. It's like, I hope Tweety likes the gifts we got him. And it says, it'll just be like Christmas, except Dad's sober and somebody's getting presents. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, by the way, have you guys noticed um, Al's wardrobe has changed again? I know um, Alex Alex pointed this out. Uh, you know, of course, seasons one through, I guess, about seven, six or uh, seven-ish, Al pretty much just had one or two outfits that he would wear. I mean, he would wear the, the brown pants and that uh, bluish shirt, that light blue shirt. And then he went through that stretch where he would wear that god-awful purple shirt that we all hate <laughs> well now he's wearing like black khakis you notice that or i guess i guess that was part of his suit i guess he took his suit jacket off but it just looks funny because he's wearing black pants and he's wearing a a, stri- a white and blue striped shirt <laughs> you're right he's a little he's a little he's a little dressed up yeah yeah, yeah I, I, I did notice when he had the bag on his shoulder it was a little incongruous it was over his dress shirt yeah, I mean he's got a, he's, he's carrying a hundred pound bag of uh, a cockatoo feed, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, Peg and the others they're carrying this bag called Petropolis. Yes. Petropo- <laughs> Petropolitan. Sorry. I don't think that's a real store. I haven't heard of it. I I, I did Google it. I did find that oh. there are places called Petropolitan, but it's not. Oh. Um, I guess. I think they might have been done independently from <laughs> from Married with Children. Yeah. <laughs> Almost like Metropolitan or Petropolitan. So, uh, you know, <laughs> n- not a bad way of, uh, of doing it. <laughs> Al, you busted Tweety's bird food. That's no problem. I was on my way back to town to have a hernia operation anyway. <laughs> Can I get anybody else 100 pounds anything? Two bees. Well, there's a couple of lines from this episode that I like to use, and one of them is Al's line here. Can I get anybody else 100 pounds of anything? Yeah, and it's juju beads. So you know what juju beads are? I had never heard of that. I had never heard of that before this. <laughs> it's, it's, an old, it's an old-fashioned candy. Um, it, was, it was still sold when I was a kid. They're kind of like, they're like kind of like little gelatin bun-shaped things in different flavors. They're kind of like Mike and Ike's and those guys. Yeah, I'm not like, um, I guess like I'm not a big fan of like soft candy, like the chewy kind. So, yeah. so I, I think I probably tried them, but I, never, I wasn't really a fan of them. I'm going to give Tweety his cuddle bone. Yeah. Hey, where'd he go? Somebody left the cage open. He must have flown upstairs. Upstairs. Oh my God, a feather. (gasps) Gee, I was wondering why Mom sent out for white wine. (laughs) What do you mean you thought it was a chicken? (laughs) When was the last time you heard a chicken doing a Milo Brando impression? Well, I 
I've got some good news and got some bad news. Good news is Tweety knew over 150 words. Well, what's the, um, what's the bad news, Dad? Bad news is none of them were, please don't eat me. <laughs> So we find out that Tweety's missing, and Marcy picks up a feather. <laughs> <laughs> so can you believe that, you know, Peg's mom ate the bird? <laughs> you, you know, I, I, I like to think that Peg's mom is one of those people. Well, did you guys ever see Strangers with Candy? No, tell us. Okay, Strangers, it was a, actually, if you're a fan of Married with Children, you always watch Strangers with Candy as well. It was a series from 99, 2000. Ran on Comedy Central for three seasons, and it was about Jerry Blank, played by Emmy Sedaris. She was um, she dropped out of high school at fourteen and went off, became like a drug addict, took her slash you know general, general criminal. But then, when she was released from jail for the last time, she decided to reform herself and pick up where she left off. So basically, she was a forty-six-year-old ex-hooker going to high school, and it was brilliant. It was irreverent. It was a lot dirtier than. Married with children ever had a chance to be, of course. But yeah, <laughs> but it, but it was just it was just wonderful though. I mean, I have to say the uh, thing about Tweety doing a Marlon Brando impression, <laughs> and he only knew only 150 words, and, and none of them were. Please don't eat me. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> but 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 the thing the thing about the thing about um, Strangers Candy though is that is that. Uh, Jerry Blank, the, the heroine's father, he was he was played by you know he's played by a famous old famous old vaudeville person just like Kathleen Freeman had been, um, and his shtick was that whenever you saw him he was stock still, not moving, not talking or anything, but apparently between the scenes he was really was really quick and like moving around like the Flash, he was very quick and very eloquent and stuff, and I think Peg's mom was the same way because I was thinking how could how could she catch a flying bird. <laughs> She doesn't seem very uh, nimble, you know, to say the least. You know, even, but when she rolls over, she shakes the house. So, so she must must have been like Jerry Blank's dad. Yeah, well, well, uh, <laughs> Al says that she can unhinge her jaw like an anaconda. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, yeah. wouldn't that be something to see? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, how, how does a, how does a snake with no hands catch a um, you know catch a catch a running um, a running um, you know groundhog or something? They're fast. <laughs> They're really fast when they want to be. <laughs> Al, I've got another idea. Forget about it, Marcy. There's no pet in the world wouldn't fit in that woman's mouth. <laughs> she can unhinge her jaw like an anaconda. <laughs> Kelly's problem is that she needs closure to reconcile herself to the fact that Buck is really gone. She needs to communicate with him. But he's dead. <laughs> he may have crossed over to the other side but he's not out of reach. So Marcy recommends that Kelly needs some closure to reconcile herself. And she recommends a seance. I thought that was a little weird. I mean, Marcy is usually pretty level-headed. I was kind of surprised that she went into the supernatural like that. To me, like, and this is where married children got irreverent. They, they were like, wait a minute. Well, we're going to do a seance 
and we're going to have it headed up by a priest, <laughs> a Roman yeah. Catholic priest. So <laughs> it's those two things, uh, uh, our, our, our audience out there, they don't, actually don't go together. <laughs> a, priest, a Catholic priest would never do a seance. <laughs> and in comes a very famous character from Saturday Night Live, Father Guido Sarducci, played for by Don Novello. Yay! <laughs> Come on, Marcy, let's get this doggy seance on the road. Father, we're ready. Well, the house is a blast, except for that big, fat, ugly she-demon up there. Sarducci, can, can we talk to Buck now? Soon, my child, with the diary in the top drawer. Are you clairvoyant? No, I was just going through your things. <laughs> Let us all join hands. Al, you're not joining hands. What's the matter, Mr. Bundy? You don't believe in the afterlife? No, it's not that, Father. It's just that I... I don't want to hold my wife's hand. <laughs> Come on, now, calm down. It is not easy to contact a dead dog. Fortunately, I have my dead dog whistle with me. Won't belong now. Let me go try something else. Uh, I got this idea. How about everybody concentrate? Okay, concentrate yourselves. Buck Bundy, Buck Bundy. Yeah, I know. But in bed, I hardly have to do anything. Silence. No, hardly. She's quite the screamer. <laughs> he wasn't talking about that. Actually, I was. <laughs> We're gathered here tonight to contact a friend, a departed friend who still carries a heart strings for his grieving companion, the blonde chick. <laughs> Kelly. Kelly. So you want to tell us a little bit about Don, uh, Carolyn? Uh, yeah, Don Novello is a, um, he's a groundbreaking um, writer. He started off as a writer for a paper called The Iconoclast, which is really funny. And um, he started, he, his uh, most famous alter ego, aside from Guido Sarducci, oh, he was a writer for Saturday Night Live, too, when it first started, which is how, how he invented, he invented Father Guido, actually, a few years before that. But his most famous, um, if you want to see his, uh, see his writing, which I recommend, you can go to the letters of Laszlo Toth. There's a guy he invented. And this is before the internet, before cell phones, before you could really verify who pe if people were who they said they were. And he, his, his uh, thing was writing um, very, very funny, very funny, challenging letters, kind of crank letters, but not, not so cranked that they'd be tossed out, which is a very fine line. I've worked in a government office and sometimes we, you know, sometimes we do like, uh, just like ignore people, but some people you want to answer, but they're a little off. And so he published, he published volumes of these Laszlo letters, corresponding with some really interesting people, and they were just great. 
And, um, and one day he was in a thrift shop, came across a, a long robe, a man's robe with a, with a zebra lining. And so he put that together with a, with a uh, old fashioned shovel hat, like Italian priests used to wear and uh, came up with Father Guido Sarducci. And, um, as a Catholic, actually, I always liked Father Guido. I thought, he, I, thought he was, I thought he was very funny. He was never quite, he was, he was uh, disrespectful without being like, you know, just like mean about the church and about, um, and I, I loved his, um, his, uh, his I, the idea was supposed to be that he was a gossip columnist for the actual Vatican newspaper, which, uh, yeah, which, which, uh, which uh, Luigi can probably pronounce a lot better than me. I, I'm not going to try. L'Osservatore Romano. Perfect. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and um, and in, in this in uh, this instance, what he did is he took off the sombrero hat. He's wearing a beretta. A beretta was a old fashioned hat for priests. I had a friend who was ordained in 1966, and he still had his. But of course, he hadn't worn it for like 30 years. So <laughs> so it was pretty so it was pretty funny. That he's wearing the beretta, and and he's also using a sprinkler, which you use for. Um, sprinkling holy water on the congregation in certain holidays and ceremonies. Yeah, so um, Don Novello is, he's still around. He's still, you know, still funny guy. And he's just, um, he's one of the, he's, he's, it's kind like, like, like of like, like many of the actors and writers in Married with Children, it takes a lot of skill to be acting that strangely and to create a character like that, an over-the-top character like that, that is still loved. You know, in this case, it was about it was about twenty it was about twenty years after his SNL gigs, and now it's like now it's like uh, now it's like uh, forty five years, and people still remember him. So that's Father Guido, and a lot of his old stuff is on YouTube. And I think my favorite one is is when he complains about because he's playing in Italian. I mean, he's an Italian American in real life, but he's playing in Italian, and he complains. I, I one one of the big things in parochial school when I was a little kid, like first or second grade was the canonization of Elizabeth Ann Seton. She was a, she, she was, um, a widow and what nowadays you call a social worker. She helped the poor and everything a great deal and, and sailors and stuff, helped them in homes and was a great, you know, started all kinds of charities and stuff. And she started the Sisters of Charity in Lower Manhattan. And she was the first American born saint to be canonized. You know, there was, there was some, plenty of saints from South America and all that, but she was, and it was a huge story. And I remember, and then I wasn't allowed to see Sign Out, you know, Sign Out Live. I was up too late, but I did, I did see it a couple of years later when, I, when I, it was in reruns and I was old enough to be able to stay, allowed to be staying up that late. I remember when Father Guido was complaining how about, how about this American lady, she had about three miracles to her name and she was able to become a saint. And meanwhile, the Italians, they had to have like 30s, 40, 50 miracles. Because <laughs> it, it, so, it was so many Italian saints. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you can find it on no. YouTube, it's brilliant. Okay. <laughs> you know what's funny is I was, look, I was just looking up um, Don Novello, you know, just looking on his Wikipedia page. He's only, I, I guess it's because the character he's playing and the way he's dressed, but I would have guessed he was a lot older than what he was. He's only three years older than Ed O'Neill. He's uh he's currently seventy eight. Ed O'Neill seventy five. Would you guess in this in this scene that those two guys are almost the same age? <laughs> <laughs> nope, nope. But there was a difference though. In um, Saturday Night Live, um, Father Sarducci was always smoking. They would not let him do it on TV. I guess. Yeah. I <laughs> just, guess not. Just, just just like Peg, he had to kick smoking for no, you know, for network standards. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was hilarious in this scene. This is my favorite. I mean, this next probably about five-minute stretch here is my favorite stretch in the whole episode 
thought it was hilarious. So, Luigi, what did you think? I mean, you're uh, you're uh, Italian heritage, and uh, you know, what, what did you think of of uh, Father Sarducci? I thought he was hilarious. Well, yeah, you know, for for me, it's like I. I, I love uh, humor where it's irreverent. Like, I'm, I'm equal opportunity. You know, like, I mean, I think sometimes right. people get offended by certain type of ethnic uh, or even religious humor. But, you know, I, um, for myself, like, I was actually an altar boy when I was a kid. Carolyn, you might appreciate this. I remember when I was, you know, when I was in elementary school, you would have this thing once a week called the uh, Benediction of the Blessed Sacrament. So, so what it is, is the Rosary Altar Society, you know, so it's a group of old women would come in and the priest who used to do it, uh, there was one priest in particular, a pastor who was like actually a fairly young person at the time, but he really loved like old school, almost like a pre-Vatican II ritual. A A lot of the younger priests do. The older priests have had enough of it. Yeah. So, you know, we would actually go down, like, I remember like how you would do it is you would come out and you would kneel in front of the altar and you'd put the the host in this thing called a monstrance and you'd be, mm-hmm. you'd be kneeling and it's like one altar boy would actually have incense and the other one would have water and he loved to do the thing in latin and for myself like i actually learned a lot of latin because like we would be chanting these prayers in latin and i know the prayers in italian and they're very similar so like i learned how to do them but you know having like this memory of certain things and let me tell you like some of the best jokes i ever heard came from priests <laughs> you know so so you know what i'm saying it's like there's this and, and you know i have to give michael moyer credit on this episode because you know it's it's a balance between like you know in you would say like the sacred and the profane right <laughs> it's yes. like you know you yes. you have this this dichotomy of this image of a a priest and usually like you think of a priest it's like someone who's holy you know, and trying to show you how to do things the right way. But then it's like you turn around and like you're smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer and like and cracking jokes, you know. But yeah, but that yeah. thing is, there are people who do that. So I, I, I find that to me is like really the dichotomy. Again, it's like a, a Catholic priest doing a seance. Right. I mean, two things that don't <laughs> go together, but that's what you're laughing they, they, at. They do not. You know, but, um, but, exactly, but it's yeah. funny. And, and that's what it is. And, you know, I think that at the end of the day, uh Michael Moyer put it very well in one of his uh, one of his retrospectives that he has on uh, you could find on YouTube. It's like he said, you could forget about him, you could forget about Ron. I mean, you could forget about everything. It's just, but you know, I think like his, I think like what he said was what he really wants in life, like you know, like in terms of like his own life and his work. It's like if, it's like if I just made you laugh, you know, I I did my job. Oh, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's what you have with this. I mean, the thing is, you know, sometimes humor doesn't really hit for everyone. Again, all of us have different senses of humor. Like, for example, you know, I would always uh, rag on Alex about the toilet jokes, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. I, lo- I love the Ferguson and, you know, him and Jerry weren't really big fans of it. Uh, some of this humor, like, you know, is going to make people howl and other people might just be maybe slightly uncomfortable about it, right? Maybe if you're a religious person watching Married with Children, although I don't think those two things would go together. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe you might get offended by it, but, you know, it's like, hey, like, I, they're very much equal opportunity. I'm going to make fun of everyone. I mean, we had a Jew- although- we had a Jewish joke. We had an Italian joke. You have a, a Catholic yeah. joke, you know? <laughs> Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Well. Well. My next question was, I don't. I don't believe. I don't think so. But there's been a couple of hints that the Bundys are Christian. 
but they certainly do not go to church. All they do, they celebrate Christmas. <laughs> they, ce- they celebrate Christmas. Um, actually, didn't Kelly say once that they were banned from church? Uh, yeah, there, there was that. I mean, I, I, I believe that they would be uh, Protestants. Yeah. Uh, because they're in one of the early episodes, they talk about the Reverend Felcher. And that, that's actually a call back to All in the Family. Oh, oh, okay. They're definitely not, I, I don't believe them to be Catholic, but I, you know, because when you talk about a reverend, but I guess Marcy sort of uh, recommended it. Now, what you do have, because remember when uh, Father Guido comes in, he talks about um, the, the, the ugly she-demon upstairs, right? And he's, bless- yeah. he's blessing the house. In, in a Catholic <laughs> tradition, he, technically he would be performing the rite of exorcism. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you wouldn't need that for a seance. <laughs> right. So in other words, he's doing he's doing the exorcism of, you know, uh, the mother-in-law upstairs. And then he comes downstairs for the seance. <laughs> Whereas technically he's yeah. conjuring spirits, which is the opposite. Right. I mean, <laughs> like you, That's you, right. you, That's you right. see the dichotomy there. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's my average children for you, though. Just taking, a bu- just taking a bunch of like whatever's funny at the moment. You know, and someone sprinkling, even if you're, if you're Catholic, non-Catholic, someone like sprinkling holy water around is kind of a, you know, because of a dead dog and a, and a weird mother-in-law upstairs. That's pretty funny. So. Oh. And he's got his dead dog whistle, too. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, I, but before we, before we leave this, there's just one thing, one quick thing. Do you remember in Dud Bowl when there was this huge pileup of uh, unprepared middle-aged football guys <laughs> and Bob was, Bob was, yeah. Um, Bob was refereeing. He walked, as he walked away, he crossed himself. And I was wondering. Oh yeah, uh, sure did. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. And now I think it was a Faustino thing rather than a Bud Bundy thing. It was just funny. Yeah. But that's another, that's another thing I thought, but, but, but now they, but now that, you're right. They did say reverend. So I don't think they're Catholic. Yeah. Buck, Buck, hear me, Buck. <laughs> Fill me up with thy spirit. My body is your vessel. <laughs> Fill me up, Buck. Fill me up. Am I the only one getting turned on here? <laughs> what is it, Father? What do you feel? Great fear. I think Buck's in trouble. You know, I find it funny now, you know, so, you know, Father Guido is trying to conjure up the spirit of Buck. And he says, my body is your vessel. Fill me up, Buck. Fill me up. And Peg gets horny. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, was... okay. <laughs> I, I, really lo- I really love that. I mean, she, she, it strikes her at the worst possible times and places. Yep. And she's so consistent, you know, and and, uh, and um, Al didn't he didn't even want to hold her hand. And now he has to deal with her, like calling, you know. Probably falling all over him. <laughs> yeah, I, I cracked up whenever he says, it's not that. I just don't want to hold my wife's hand. <laughs> those are like uh, what uh, ben, uh, uh, Henny Youngman, like those type of jokes, right? Yep. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> we cut back to heaven. But Bundy, I understand you've waived your right to an attorney. After you ate him. <laughs> Strike that from the record. Thomas shall now read aloud from the Book of Life. Let's see. Total number of cats chased up trees, 15. It was harmless fun. It's not like anyone got hurt. 
total number of cats chased under the wheels of Mack trucks? 197. I'm truly sorry about that. I was a young pup, and I did it to impress the bitches. And finally, total number of cats eaten this morning in Heaven's waiting room, three. Well, dog. You know, I don't have to be an eagle. I'll settle for a finch with webos like an eagle. This court will recess for one hour while I contemplate the appropriate sentence in my litter box. Well, this certainly sucks. And uh, we find out that uh, Buck has waived his right to his, attor- to his attorney because uh, he was eaten by the cat. Yep, yep. <laughs> so I, I guess it would be mouseous. It would be a mouse then, right? I guess it would be eaten by the cat. A really big mouse, but sure, yeah. <laughs> so Thomas now is reading aloud from the Book of Life. <laughs> now, the Book of Life in Christianity and Judaism is the book in which God records the names of every person who is destined for heaven or the world to come. According to the Talmud, it is open on Rosh Hashanah, as is its counterpart for the wicked, the Book of the Dead. For this reason, extra mention is made for the Book of Life during Amidah recitations during the Days of Awe, the ten days between Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. The two high holy days, particularly in the prayer... uh, I'm going to butcher this. Unitana Takaf. And Annabelle also points out that there's a 2014 animated movie called The Book of Life with Christina Applegate about a young man who is torn between fulfilling the expectations of his family and following his heart, embarking on an adventure that spans three fantastic worlds where he must face his greatest fears. So so Thomas tells us about (laughs) all of uh, Buck's sins. So 15 cats chased up trees, uh, 197 uh, cats underneath the wheels of a Mack truck, and uh, and three cats eaten in the waiting room this morning. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Now, now, now we, we know that Buck can be like very, you know, he can be like uh, pretty mean when he wants to be, but I don't know if we got this, did we have hints of this huge like anti-cat, anti-cat thing before? <laughs> I don't think much so, but but you could you could counter that with saying, well, he pretty much has to eat cats like that because we know the Bundys don't feed him. Oh, you're right. You're <laughs> you know right. I mean? Yeah. So he, he either has to do that or he wouldn't survive. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Now you know, there's this um, line that got lost, I think, because of the laugh track, or the laughter from the audience. So, like you know, <laughs> uh, the cat says, you know, well, dog. You know, it's like, well, you, well, I don't have to be an eagle. I'll set, I'll settle for a finch with huevos like an eagle. As <laughs> <laughs> a little Spanish for you. <laughs> I did, I did rewind. I did have to rewind. Didn't get that one. I was like, oh, huevos. Oh, it's a, it's a ball stroke. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think most women pick up on ball strokes as fast no. as guys do. No. <laughs> yep. So when we have this, um, when the cat disappears and says that he's contemplating his sentence and um, Buck says, well, this certainly sucks. That is the last frame that we get of Buck the dog. Oh, right. It's a sad moment, man. Last time we it see is. him on screen. Yep. 
It is, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, these, I mean, the special effects up up in heaven were pretty terrible, but <laughs> at least, but we had Ben Stein. We had the uh, the cat judge was pretty. His accent was pretty funny. You know, he he, he could have used a little more training. He wasn't like concentrating where he should have, but you know, it's a cat. <laughs> but I, I love that voice. The um, uh, the cat judge is supposed to be like one of those southern style, like tough hanging judges. <laughs> <laughs> So we cut back down to the Bundy living room where the seance is still going on. Be one with me, oh spirit. Join with me, Buck. Join with me. (laughs) Now look here, LaToya. It's been over an hour. Get to the park where Buck is fine and Kelly's happy. You want me to lie? What do you take me for? A lot less than you're taking me for. Now go ahead. <laughs> now, Al refers to Father Guido as Latoya. <laughs> I, I I didn't quite. I know who I know who he meant by Latoya, but I'm not sure why he referred to Sarducci as Latoya. Yeah, I I, t- I missed that connection too. I was like, so they're referring to Latoya Jackson, who's an American mm-hmm. singer songwriter actress, businesswoman, and television personality, the fifth and middle child of the Jackson family. LaToya Mm -hmm. Jackson first gained recognition on the family's variety television series, The Jacksons, on CBS between 1976 and 1977. Thereafter, she saw success as a solo recording artist under multiple record labels in the 1980s and 1990s, where she released nine studio albums over the course of 15 years. Her most successful releases in the United States were her self-titled debut album uh, and the 1984 single Heart Don't Lie. One of Jackson's songs, was Just Say No, from her fifth album, was composed for U.S. First Lady Nancy Reagan and the Reagan administration's anti-drug campaign. So uh, if I remember correctly, uh, LaToya Jackson during this time period, she was really into like... Uh, uh, she wasn't like what's her name, uh, Dion Warwick with the Psychic Friends Network, but she was like uh, she had one of those. Uh, she was like into spirituality and all that. I think like she was into this kind of stuff, and that was their joke on oh. on Latoya Jackson. That's the connection between the two. Okay, all right, that makes okay. Sense. That, that, that that makes sense. Yeah, I, I wasn't really paying attention back then to her. So, <laughs> okay, I will again attempt to break through. I broke through. Buck? Yes, it's me, Buck. Daddy, Daddy, Buck's Italian. The afterlife is in Italy. You know, Al has to slap Father Guido to get him to, you know, finish the seance. Yeah, I, I broke through. I broke yeah. through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he says, "A buck, yes, it's a me, buck." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Kelly says, "The buck's Italian." Yeah, that's pretty much what Italian American sounds. <laughs> and, and you, you would hope that the afterlife is in Italy. What, what do you think? Oh, 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 definitely, definitely, heaven is in Italy. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> 
a little Dean Martin playing in the background, you know, <laughs> yep, some pasta. Yep, the, the pasta. Food never, <laughs> yep as, as long as you don't need, and the thing is in heaven, nothing ever breaks down. So you don't have to rely, you don't have to worry about the government uh, messing up repairs and uh, things like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That, uh, sorry for the Italian government dig. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, who, who's the prime minister today? I forget. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, well yeah. Like a, there's a, n- a new one every week. Uh, that's the yeah, old exactly. joke, right? Yeah, yep. Is it Emmanuel Macron or is that France? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, no, Macron is France. Macron is, Macron is yeah. France. I'm trying to remember Italian. Uh, I, I think a, 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 I was thinking it's Mario Draghi, but isn't he like the like the like the EC head or something? I don't know. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, you know, at the day we're recording this, by the time it's broadcast, it may very well be somebody else. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It doesn't doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I miss you, Buck. Oh, I miss you too, Kelly. But I think it's the time for both of us to move on. Go forth, my child, and get yourself another dog, a cheap dog. <laughs> and Kelly, share yourself with others like you have shared yourself with me, Buck. I'll do that. I will share myself with others. If she shared herself anymore, she'd be traded on the New York Stock Exchange. So, you know, so Father Guido, uh, trying to channel Buck, tells Kelly that it's time for her to uh, go on and get get another dog. (laughs) Al's not happy with that. (laughs) Nope. A cheap dog. That's right. (laughs) And and Kelly should share herself with others like you've shared yourself with with Buck. (laughs) And and Bud's got a great line. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, you know, so so Father Father Guido tries to get a cheap feel out of this, right? Now, before we say goodbye, is is there anything I can do for you? Well, uh, Buck would uh, like to have a little hug. (laughs) <laughs> no, of course. <laughs> and maybe a little kiss. Uh, <laughs> okay. Mm. No, Buck would really like to have his just Tommy Robin. <laughs> would Buck like to have a little shoe up his blowhole? <laughs> The spirit has departed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Al had to <laughs> smack him to get him to stop creeping <laughs> Kelly here. I, I, I think my favorite line of that whole thing is, you know, would Buck like to have a little shoe up his blowhole? <laughs> yeah, that, was good, yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah, even Kelly even was starting to realize something was a little off there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, when but, he was but, like, I, would I, you I, like I, to give Buck a little kiss? And she kind of <laughs> looked like, okay. I'd like, like to give Buck a belly rub. You know, that was great. But, but I do have to, I do have to say though a few lines before that he actually was giving her a decent you know really de- halfway decent advice about moving about how 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 Buck how you know Buck was happy now and, and she had made him so happy and that she had to move they were both ready to move on and you know he was actually he was actually helping her but the first first time in the episode anyone actually helped Kelly yeah <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey wait while while you're still out there. I used to have a pet goldfish named Winky. Not on my dime, you didn't, buddy. <laughs> so, you know, Jefferson points out that, you know, he wants to conjure up the spirit of a pet goldfish named Winky. Now, you know, 
Annabelle has uh, found this out that, you know, and I haven't really paid attention, but really Annabelle has really zoned in on this. There have been multiple pets named Winky and married with children. So Marcy had a pet named Winkums in six uh, epi- in season six, episode fourteen. There was oh. a there was a parrot named Winky in season four, episode twenty three. That's when the Bundys have a yard sale. There was also a family dog named Win- Winky referenced in season four, episode twenty, and there was another dog referenced named Winky in uh, season eight, episode eighteen. So it must have been some kind of in joke. Annabelle never ceases to amaze me, man. She's like a walking encyclopedia of knowledge. It's just like the connections that she can make from episode to episode and, you know, like one little line and connect this back to season four and season three, season eight. You know what I mean? She's truly incredible. She really is. She notices patterns that no one else does. Yep. Yep. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But probably someone had, probably somebody had like a dog, like a puppy or something called Winky and someone, they teased him about it. They kept on teasing him for 11 years. <laughs> yep. Cause that's what, that's what writers, that's kind of stuff goes on in writers rooms from what I hear. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but I'll, i response to uh, Jefferson's request is one of my favorite uh, lines too. Yeah. Not on my dime. You don't. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> that's another useful line for life. Not on my yep. dime. You didn't. <laughs> Hey, hey, wait a minute, you guys. Now, you heard what Buck said. He wants me to get another dog. But, Pumpkin, it's after 9 o'clock. Daddy's broke. There's no way in the world we can find another... Hey, wait a minute. What's that? Look, it's a puppy. Where did it come from? It's a sign. A sign from Buck. That's ridiculous. (laughs) <laughs> it's entirely possible. Oh, look how cute he is. Wait a minute. I'm not an eagle. I'm a dog. Al says, you know, it's past eight o'clock. Where am I going to get another dog? And I'm broke. And then all of a sudden, you know, this is very atypical for married with children. It's like we almost yeah. had... It's like this, I mean, I don't know what you call it. It's almost like a miracle from heaven. All of a sudden, this yeah. this uh, dog in a basket magically appears. Yeah. And it's also one of the few times, really, if you think about it, where the episode ends with a, a happy ending, really. I mean, it, well, I mean, I guess Buck, I guess you could say it's happy for everyone except for Buck. Buck not, Buck's not happy because he gets reincarnated with the Bundys. But for most people in the episode, it's a happy ending. They get, they get, you know, they it. Well, they name the new dog Lucky, but they know that it's Buck, you know. <laughs> and it's like most most episodes don't get tied up in a nice little bow. They usually end with. You know, like um, Al jumping out of an airplane or <laughs> something, something, something crazy like that. You know. <laughs> yeah, it, it really, you know, it really. Is, I mean, for such a such an over the top show, you know, it really leaves reality. I mean, physical reality. Whenever yeah. it does go somewhere, it's usually it's almost always a dream or a story tell, story that someone's telling someone else, like Peggy and the Pirates, and they very rarely go into like just like the unbelievable realm. Yeah. But this, this time it didn't. I, I think it worked, although it was pretty funny. You could tell this wasn't the cast of Star Trek because they're all having trouble looking at the special effect at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, but that must, that must, to be fair, that must be really hard. But still. 
<laughs> and you know the other thing i'll say is like now it's like it's it's funny it's like oh wait a minute you know like buck realizes that he's been reincarnated and <laughs> and it's almost like you know the the worst thing that could possibly happen is for him to just return where he came from yeah, yeah. that's right that's right <laughs> yeah that's literally the worst possible punishment they could have gave him <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's yeah. how it worked out well that 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 cat that kind of judge really knew what he was doing <laughs> what should we name him i know Let's call him Lucky. Lucky Bundy. Gee, I was saving that name from my tombstone. <laughs> Uh-oh. Those voices sound oddly familiar. If I could just get these newborn eyes to focus. Oh, so no! I want to take a pause here about Lucky the dog. Now, you know, we're going to now start to see Lucky the dog in place of Buck going forward. And I think, you know, for me, it's like this dog of all dogs. I mean, you know, Buck right. Buck worked as a as a real mutt yep. for for the Bundys. But it's like this, yes. the, this is not yep. the kind of dog I would expect the Bundys to have, right? It, no. Exactly, exactly. No. And that's like, like to me, Buck. I know this is going to sound funny, but Buck was kind of a kind of an ugly dog, <laughs> so he fit perfectly with the Bundys. To me, Lucky, I mean, even as a kid, I was like, wow, Lucky is really cute, <laughs> you know, and the audience's reaction was, aww, you know what I mean? Like, to me, Lucky was always too cute to be a member of the Bundy family, you know, I mean, he's too cute, like, Lucky is the type of dog that you would almost expect like a rich family to have, you know what I mean? He looks too rich for the Bundys. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the, the funny thing was, as far as I know, Stephen Rick got, he did get Buck from a shelter. I'm going to go into that a little more later, you know, about solutions to to uh, you know Al's problem of not being able to get a free dog. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> yeah, but but as far as I can tell, um, Blocky is like a purebred cocker spaniel, just like you know, and a purebred Briard. Briard looks, especially if his ears aren't um, aren't artificially put up, looks looks pretty muddy. But this, he, you're right. He looked, he looked expensive and too cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like I don't know. It just, it, he never. To me, he never really fit. I mean, Lucky certainly has a couple of a couple of pretty of episodes that are pretty good in season ten and eleven. And we'll get to those when we get to them. But I don't know. I always thought Lucky was an odd fit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean he, he was pretty. You know, um, Stephen Rick did a good job training him to do tricks and stuff, but. But just lying, just lying around, and just being able to like give out thoughts in the family. He wasn't. He was. I don't think he was. You know, really good at that. Yep. And, and you know, and that to me was really like the the thing that really stuck out. I'm like, really, the Bundys have this dog of all dogs. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and starting and starting the next episode, we're gonna have new opening credits to reflect the fact that we have Lucky the dog. Mm-hmm. So you know, this is the last episode where we have Buck doing the opening sequence. So. Mm-hmm. So now we have this transition again. <laughs> We're getting closer and closer to the end. <laughs> yep. Right, yep. right, Chris yep. and Kylan. So, <laughs> yep. So anyway, so just Al makes the comment that you know he was saving. They name him Lucky, Lucky Bundy, and Al is disappointed because he was saving that name for his tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! And credits, and there's this great little dedication to Buck the dog. Which, yeah. which says, dedicated to Buck the Dog, who with this episode begins a well-earned retirement and hopefully a nice gig at stud. We'll miss you, buddy. Lift a leg, the producers. <laughs> yeah. 
That was really sweet. I think that was really nice. It was, yeah. They, they, they like to do that. They did it a couple times and it's your move too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the same set of producers. Although, although I'm, af- I'm afraid that um, Buck was neutered, but other than that, it was very sweet. <laughs> you know, as we mentioned at the beginning, so Buck the dog died on May 28th, 1996 in Aiken, California at the age of 13 and a half. He was old. Mm-hmm. His body was cremated and his ashes were given to his trainer, Stephen Ritt. All, all I can say is that I just had the predecessor to the two dogs that I'm dog sitting right now was a rescue dog named Bella. Bella and a couple of years before that, Lester. And all I can say is that you know when a dog is ready to go. You know, you know when a dog has lived a good life mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, they're, and they're, they're, ready to, they're ready to move on. You know, life is, not, life is not worth it anymore and you give them the last gift. And I'm 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 currently imagine how many times Stephen Ritt has had to do that, but um, I I I just appreciate him giving us one of the, I think seriously one of the great animal actors. Mm-hmm. I mean, just I mean he he had whole lines of dialogue. He would have plots where he was a protagonist, and so I I think that Buck added so much married with children. Yeah, he really did, and it's like you don't really until you really see the until you until you um. I guess the old saying, you don't know what you have until you, you don't have it anymore. Uh, we, we didn't realize how perfect Buck was for the family until we make this transition. Buck really, really fit with the Bundys, you know, in appearance and the, the voice, you know, they, I guess they had various voice actors over the course of the series, some of them more obnoxious than others, <laughs> like when they had uh, uh, Cheech and Chong, you know, um, but uh he really fit with the with the Bundy family perfectly, and I was looking up his uh, online to see because I know I've seen him in other stuff. That particular dog. Oh, Lucky, Ridge. really? No, not 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 Lucky Buck. I know I've seen oh, Buck in okay. other things. <laughs> no, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app. And please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. All right, and we're back. So, Chris, how many hundred-pound bags of juju beads will you be carrying for this episode? Well, that's a good question. Um, I do enjoy this episode. I like it uh, quite a bit. Um, as I mentioned, uh, you know, in the first part of the podcast, uh, when my family and I were watching this, we 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 were worried that it was going to be Al was going to be the member of the family that's passed away. So, uh, you know, we were <laughs> relieved that it wasn't, but in the end we were sad that, uh, that we were losing Buck. You know, we learned that in the very opening scene, it was sad. Um, I think this was a good send off to him. I think this was a great way to pay tribute to, uh, Buck the dog, who, as we know, was a member of the family for the first nine plus seasons. And uh, I think they did a good service for him. Um, the The episode had some really good lines. I mean, granted, the episode was corny. You know, it opens with a you know a funeral for a dog. Al spends twelve hundred dollars for a funeral for a dog, which is crazy. <laughs> but uh, 
the episode was funny. Um, I really enjoyed Father uh, Sarducci's character. I thought he was hilarious. He was a good addition to the episode. Uh, pretty much anything with Ben Stein in it, I like it. I thought his fu- his character was funny and corny, as always. Um, I thought the idea of um, how they were going to transition into getting the, the Bundy family a new dog was a, a genius idea. Um, you know, as far as having him go to... to court almost in heaven (laughs) where god turns out to be a cat and he gets reincarnated as another dog with the bundies (laughs) i thought that was brilliant and um i really liked the episode so i am going to uh give it four and remind me what am i doing here four bags of 400 pound bags of juju beads okay sorry so i am going to give it four 100 pound bags of juju beads out of five that's great. All right. So, Carolyn, how many hundred pound bags of juju beads will you be carrying for this episode? Well, I think it's very rare that an episode has so much come together. I send off for a vital cast member, a, a amazing guest stars. No, no bad. There were no bad guest stars in this one. Usually there's one or two that you just go, you know, oh, that's that guy. Yeah, there was that guy. They're both very funny. Very funny men using their personas in the perfect way. The family dynamics were terrific. The costumes were great. I want, you know, actually, those people, most of those people look pretty good in black. <laughs> so, too bad they didn't get to wear black more often. <laughs> However, there were a couple of things that didn't make it. You know, I'm I'm not going to carry all 500 pounds of JGBs for this episode. It almost deserved it, except for. I didn't like uh, Bud being so callous, and and I'll uh, I'll miss reading Kelly at the beginning, and then bec- then being nice to her later. Well, that was a little inconsistent. I didn't like pe- people's mornings seemed to be kind of inconsistent, kind of you know they were they were mean. Sometimes they were mean to Kelly, and they were and they. I especially didn't like when um, Bud and Jefferson, who were paired up a lot in this episode, I didn't like that they cracked jokes about Bud being dead. I wasn't too happy about that. So what I will do is I will, I will take the 100-pound uh, bag of jujubes and pour it into a 50-pound bag, and I will carry 450 pounds of jujubes for this episode. That's great. <laughs> so, so for myself, I will be carrying 400 pounds of jujubes, so four bags, 400-pound uh, bags of jujubes for this episode. <laughs> you know... Um, you know, Chris knows me as the three and a half guy when it comes to, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, my ratings with Married with Children episodes, especially in the later seasons. You know, this episode is written by Michael Moyer. I think he did a great job. Yes. Uh, I, he, he put a lot of things together. I think, you know, there, there was just some parts of it that had to maybe be a little silly or a little um, a little extra farcical. Like some of the jokes like felt like Borscht Belt. I mean, they were Borscht Belt jokes, right? It's like, well, you know, like, where am I going to find another daughter or, you know, <laughs> um, et cetera. But, you know, I think it was a great send off for, for Buck the Dog. And like I said, I, I as a, you know, again, as a 17 year old, I guess at the time watching it, you know, I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, Buck the Dog is dead. Like, I, you know, I was sad. You know, because I, I feel like Buck is just as mar- much as part of the family as any one of, you know, the human characters in that house. And, you know, and he's always and Buck always had, you know, the one liners and, um, 
you know, his own personality. I mean, he banged up all the bitches in the neighborhood, you know, yep. <laughs> uh, in his own words. So, um, you know, it's bittersweet. But, you know, obviously you understand mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, he's a 12 and a half year old dog. I mean, if you multiply by seven in dog years, it's like, what is he, like like 90, like 80, 84, I guess? 84, yeah, like, yeah. like uh, almost 90, yeah, 84 and yeah. a half, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I, I can understand that, you know, that's what happened to uh, Buck. So um, I just think that, you know, it was it was slightly better than like in an average, like late, late series episode. Uh, so I gave it four. Not bad. I mean, not bad for our first. Ep- no. Not bad for uh, Team uh, Chris and Luigi's uh, with our guest, <laughs> with guest co-host Carolyn's first episode of uh, uh, season ten. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I was going to say, you know, Chris, can you believe it? We're already in season ten, huh? <laughs> Time flies, man. It really does. <laughs> and I'm I'm looking at the list of episodes, and it was like a real roller coaster, you know, of, of some of my favorites and some of my oh my. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm sure, you know, Annabelle, who was the lead on, uh, you know, the the season opener, uh, you know, spoke about uh, season, you know, season 10. And, you know, we also had the uh, season nine wrap up show where we talk about, uh, you know, what to expect in season 10. And, you know, my perspective on it is, you know, when you look at the list, you know, Chris, I have the list in front of me. It's like, oh, like, you know, we say it's like, oh, season 10 and season 11, you know, the show ran out of gas and, you know, there's usually not some great show, you know, great episodes, but, you know, we start looking at this. It's like, wow, like there's actually some really great work here. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There's, we got Al the Reverend coming up. We've got the Terry Bradshaw episode coming up, which is one of my personal favorites. Uh, So we got, we got, we got for some pretty good ones coming up. Yeah, we have Pat Morita, you know, coming up. And Carolyn, we hope that you join us for that one again. Oh, yeah, that's a good episode. That's a really good episode. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, I mean, like, we really do have a lot of things to look forward to in season 10. And, uh, you know, as we've said, uh, since Alex has been gone, we're just continuing the journey. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Unlike Buck, our journey continues for a while longer. <laughs> <laughs> So, Carolyn, you know, just from your perspective, I guess just before we sign off, so, you know, so how has this journey been uh, for yourself uh, being on a podcast? I mean, I'll tell you, you know, a little over a year ago, uh, you know, uh, neither Chris, <laughs> neither, neither Chris nor myself thought we would ever be, you know, hosting a, a podcast, you know, other than maybe potentially just being on as a guest. So, I mean, it's really been one hell of a journey for us. But like, well, for yourself, I mean, this is what you're maybe third or fourth uh, time on this podcast. Uh, I, I think it's my, I think it's my third. Yes. At least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, <laughs> it's not what I expected either. Really. It's um, it gets easier each time, which is always nice, which is always a nice thing to happen. I'm getting used to listening to myself, <laughs> which takes a while. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And as time goes on, I just realized that I can relax a lot more. You know, it, it becomes, it, I'm not saying it becomes easier to come up with stuff, but you, you, but once you get into the groove, it's, it's faster. It's easier to get into the groove now, and bring cast yourself back to who you were when you were watching *Married with Children* and what it meant to you. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is even if even if it wasn't very much sometimes. You know? Yeah, you know, and, and what I'll say is, you know, all of us experience the shows different ways. You know, and I think we've all yeah. talked about mm-hmm. our stories, but you know, there's I think really two elements to the show, and that's sort of like my my two cents as we begin season ten. 
it's, you know, it is for us a work of nostalgia because, you know, we sort of remember, you know, who we were when the first time we saw this, the first time we got to enjoy it. And it's still, you know, entertainment for us all these years later. Yeah. You know, 20, mm-hmm. 26 years later, here we are, you know, talking about something we, you know, we saw back then and we still laugh at it. You know, yep. almost, and, yep. it, and it's, it's fresh. Yes. A lot of times when you see it, like, you know, you, you sort of, it's like, I, I describe uh, like people who watch The Honeymooners, right? So, you know, The Honeymooners, what people, what most people know is The Honeymooners was 39 episodes. 39 half-hour episodes. Wow. And, <laughs> and there are people who watch it every single day. I mean, if you're in the New York area, it's on Channel 11 at yep. 11 p.m. Yep. every night. Uh-huh. And, you know, you pretty much in a month and a half, you cycle through the entire thing. And they've been playing it for <laughs> over 50 years. It's been yep. playing. Mm-hmm. And there are people who, like, will just tune in every night. And it's like, you know, they've watched, you know, mm-hmm. Ed Norton and uh, and, Ralph, <laughs> and Ralph Crandom dancing in that kitchen, you know. <laughs> and like I said, now, mind you, there are, like, there's this whole series of Honeymooner sketches called The Lost Episodes. So... If we look at, like, oh. the, if you look at the, to- the totality of honeymooner sketches, there's about like 200 of them, and you know there's a DVD collection which I actually own, which goes through them. But most people remember the classic 39, and there they are, like every night. I mean, you've been watching this for 50 years, and you're still laughing at the same thing, and you know the line, and you know the music, and you know the cue. But like you know, there's something about sitting in front of a television, putting it on, and it's comfortable. Yeah. And 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 it you know it feels good. It's like it's like going home to your mother's you know typical dish. It might be you know roast yep. beef or meatloaf or you know something. And it's like and just feeling comfort in it. And yep. for for the married yes. for the married with yes. children fan, here we are. It's like it's the same exact yep. thing. We just feel comfortable, mm-hmm. and yep. it's funny, and it, it puts a smile on our face. And that's why we do it. And that's why we love it. You know, Luigi, you hit the nail right on the head with everything you just said. In fact, I was telling, uh, you know, I had dinner with Stephen Scott uh, this last uh, weekend, and I was telling him, yeah, I had a lot of fun. Uh, He he took me to a nice Mexican restaurant there in uh, Tulsa. Um, And I was telling him, I was like, you know, I picture myself probably 30 years from now, I'll be in my, my, my mid to late 60s by then, and I picture myself binge watching still binge watching married with children once or twice a year and listening to these old podcast episodes and looking back and saying man i can't believe i was a part of that (laughs) you know what i mean it's like even just a small part i mean we do what about i guess we each do well once you include by the time we join you know the other groups and stuff i guess we do about 10 episodes a season for the last uh, four seasons of the show, basically, or three seasons of the show, basically, um, or no, four seasons, yeah, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, it's like I was a part of that, even, even albeit a small part, but it's kind of cool, and it's something that uh, you know I'll hold special to my heart. You know, probably thirty years from now, when I'm a, in my sixties, I'll be introducing this show to my my grandchildren, probably, and telling them how I grew up watching it, and how hey, you know. I got an opportunity to to be a part of the podcast, you know, and it's been a lot of fun. And I know it'll be uh, a lot of fun uh, looking back 30 years from now. Yeah, well, I, I, I think, you know, I mean, what I'll say about that comment you just made is I'm sure that, you know, you won't introduce it to your grandchildren at the age that you started watching the show. 
Probably not. Yeah, I, <laughs> no, I've said it before. No. I've said it before. I don't know why. Uh, I don't know why I was allowed to watch this when I was watching it. Although by by the time we get uh, thirty years from now, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? I'll be married with children might be banned by then. <laughs> but the good thing is, I have the good thing is that I have my DVD set, so they can't take that away from me, right? <laughs> well, you know, I, I actually, Chris, um, great thing about DVD set is that sometimes in streaming they censor episodes or move them around, and some sometimes for good reason. Yeah. But, but it's, ni it's nice to have like an unadult. Okay, so they took away the theme song, but other than that, you know, it's nice yeah. to have like a, yeah. a nice, like unadulterated, pure copies. Yeah, sure, um, definitely. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Thanks for listening again to this week's episode of the Married with Children podcast. Next week, Team Stephen and Tyler will be reviewing Reverend Al. Al and his men's group, No Ma'am, decide to form their own church in order to avoid paying beer tax. When Marcy and her women's group, Fang, expose Al's plan to the public, No Ma'am surprisingly receives sympathy and donations from thousands of long-suffering married men in America, which makes it possible for them to open their church. Al becomes a televangelist and preaches the no man way of life. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to that. And Carolyn, thanks again. It's really a treat whenever we have you on. Oh, thank you. You really add a lot to the you know podcast and the discussion. It's always great to have a woman's perspective on this. So we, so, so we really appreciate thanks, it. And we look forward to having you on again real soon. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Carolyn. You're a, a great super fan. It's always nice talking to you. Oh, thank you, guys. And just another thing that bugged me about this episode is that, I mean, right now, I'm upstate, dog sitting, two rescue dogs. They come from the Mid-Hudson Valley um, shelter. They're both fine, they're healthy, and they were free. Uh, <laughs> so if you want, like, a free, genetically interesting dog... <laughs> Because they're both they're both mixed breeds, but they're both delightful. I don't know why they wouldn't go that way, or why, why someone wouldn't bring it up, especially Marcy. You think Marcy would be more into animal rights and would bring up, you know, you know, why you guys go to a shelter? But I think the rebuttal to that would have been that even, except for the cheapest, most you know, most uh, careless shelters, they do a home visit. So the Bundys would not have passed a home visit. So I guess that's the answer. <laughs> But I do wish I'd been brought up. And um, and if you're looking for a dog, you know, you know, think, think think adoption first, think shelter first. Thanks. Just wanted to let that let people know that. So tune in again next week. Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel.